Welcome back to the Community Online Podcast. This week, we're joined by lead pastor Dave Ferguson as we kick off the series, Love Where You Live. If you're new, we'd love to learn your name. Simply text CONNECT to 630-793-6399 and we'll send you more information about community. Remember, you can always find us on Sundays streaming live at communityonline.tv. We hope to see you there. Hello, community. It is great to be with you. And uh, I just want to start by saying thank you for the way you continue to focus on what you can do and not what you can't do during this season. Um, for example, we have more people in small groups right now than we've ever had before. And we got a big push coming up for small groups. So if you're not yet in one, I'm telling you, make sure you're in one. It'll help you get through what you're going through. And as a result of that, we're seeing more people find their way back to God. Did you know that since March, we've seen 70 plus people get baptized into Christ saying yes to Jesus for the first time. So yay, God, that is an awesome thing. And one more thing, you may not know this, but recently we started a brand new location in the DuPage County Jail. How about that? So we're broadcasting there and glad to have those folks a part of our church community. So thanks again for focusing on what you can do during a season when there's so much that we can't do. All right. Now that leads me to my question, and here's the question I want to start with. Why do you live where you live? Just kind of think about it. Why do you live where you live? And you might live in a home, or maybe it's in a, a townhouse, or a, a condo, or an apartment, but why do you live where you live? Now, I remember when Sue and I bought our first home, um, Oh my goodness, we had a long list of things we wanted, kind of the must-haves, and I'm a church planner, so I don't got very much money. And I think we looked at 60-plus different houses. And through the process, I mean, I'm exhausted, Sue's exhausted, our realtor's exhausted. At one point, I wasn't there, but the realtor pulled Sue aside, put her arm around Sue, and said, hey, listen, honey, someday your husband will have a good job, and then you can get the house that you want. <laughs> we eventually did get a house. Let me ask you this. Okay, now why do you live where you live? And maybe you're going like, oh, well, we really wanted a, a two-car garage. Or, you know what, I really wanted to live in that neighborhood. It's just such a cool neighborhood. I love the vibe there. Or maybe you like the, the park in the backyard. Or maybe you wanted to be by the lakefront. Or maybe it was like me. He's going like, well, that's the most that we could get with the money. Why do you live where you live? I want you to think about that for a little bit, okay? And I'll tell you what, if you're with somebody else, if you're at a watch party, you got someone else in the room there, just go ahead, talk about it. Why do you live where you live? How would you answer that? And if you're joining us at communityonline.tv or on Facebook Live or YouTube, go ahead and put it in the chat right now. Just answer that question. Why do you live where you live? And chances are, if you're younger on the younger side, it probably has to do with a lot of the amenities in the neighborhood, uh, certain facilities that you're going like, boy, I'd love to be near that, has a lot to do with your job. And if you're a little older, it probably has to do with maybe a size of house or a school and a lot to do with, with your family. That's what studies actually tell us. So the question, why do you live where you live? Now, my hunch is every one of us that answered that question just now, we answered it as a consumer. We answered it as a consumer. We said, oh, well, here's what was in it for me. Here's how this benefits me. Or here's how it benefits me and mine, like my family, with a consumer kind of mindset. And while that is perfectly acceptable, perfectly acceptable and even expected, here's the problem. The problem is we take this consumer mindset 
that we have with buying a house, and maybe even where we, uh, where we shop or, or the kind of car we buy or the restaurants we eat, and we bring that to almost every other area of our life, including our spiritual lives, and even the church that we're a part of. And here's the, the challenge that, 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 that so bothers me, and I hope will begin to bother you. I believe that is stalling the mission of Jesus. So a great example. Think about how we bring a consumer mindset when we're looking for a church to join. What do we call it? We actually say, I'm doing what? I'm church, help me out. Shopping, right? I'm church shopping. Richard Halverson, he put it this way. I want you to check this out. And so smart. He said this, in the beginning, the church was a fellowship of men and women centered on the living Christ. That was at the beginning. Then the church moved to Greece, where it became a philosophy. Then it moved to Rome, where it became an institution. Next, it moved to Europe, where it became a culture. And then finally, it moved to America, where it became an enterprise. An enterprise. And I think many of us have accidentally begun to view the church as an enterprise. It's a place where me and my family can get spiritual content to consume. And unfortunately, whether we realize it or not, many of us bring this kind of consumer mindset to spiritual things. And I think what we're going to discover today, and I hope you get this, is that Jesus is actually challenging us not to be consumers but contributors, contributors. Now, I think this is gonna be kinda of like doing surgery on you, so this is gonna hurt. I'm just warning you up front. But I'm telling you, if you will go through the process, there'll be healing and you're gonna be better off for it. I wanna show you a chart, and again, I'm just warning you in advance, it's gonna hurt. This is compares consumer versus contributor, and I want you to do a little evaluation. You know, how are you doing? Consumer versus contributor. Consumer, you ready for this? A consumer, first of all, is here to be served. They show up, oh yeah, I want to be served. But the contributor says, no, I'm here to serve. I'm here to join a community that has this great cause, to be a part of that. Which are you? A consumer is focused on my preferences, my own needs. A contributor, on their hand, is focused on the needs of others. How can this community help my neighbors? How can it transform my city? How can it reach the least, the lost, and the lonely? Consumer or contributor? All right? A consumer is asking, what can I gain? Where a contributor says, what can I give? They're, they show up with kind of a spirit of generosity, with their gifts and their resources, everything they have. A consumer says, you know what? They feel entitled. The contributor is just grateful. They are grateful for the relationship with Jesus, and they're grateful they get to be a part of this, this, this church family, God's family. Which are you? Consumer or contributor? A consumer, man, I just have a hard time finding a church that meets my needs. But a contributor joins a church family, <laughs> they give, and they invite others to be a part of that family as well. Which was it? And I'll tell you, here's the thing. Consuming is just, it's kind of like a part of human nature. And, and as much as I'd like to go like, oh, no, that's not true of us. We're all good. We're all contributors. You know what? No, no, it's, it is true of us. And in fact, we're just kind of almost like born with it. I mean, who's ever had to give a two-year-old selfish lessons? 
it doesn't happen, right? I mean, even think, kids are almost like born with it. I mean, um, from the time they're born, then you think about when they start talking. The first words are like mama, dada, maybe banana, and then after that, mine, 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 right? That's what they say, mine. They, they kind of have a, you know, a master's degree at age two and a PhD by five in selfishness. And so we consume, 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 whether we're two, 22, or 82. Dallas Willard, and again, this is kind of more of that surgery, so I'm going to poke at you a little bit. Look what he says, and he's right about this. Consumer Christianity is now normative. It's the norm. He goes on, the consumer Christian is one who utilizes the grace of God for forgiveness and the services of the church for special occasions, but does not give his or her life and innermost thoughts, feelings, and intentions over to the kingdom of the heavens. Such Christians are not inwardly transformed and are not committed to it. Man, this this phrase right here, consumer Christianity is now normative. He's specifically talking to American Christians. But here's my hope, my hope in our time together. Man, I hope this is so. That we can discover that, that, that Jesus actually wants to show us a better way how we can make a shift. And furthermore, Jesus' church that his church is really this great community with a cause, that it is kind of, it's it's this movement of redemption and love, and that God is asking you to be a part of it and join together to help change your part of the world and the world. And a church is not just a place for you to kind of consume a good talk about the Bible or for your kids to get a good lesson, and it, it should be that, but it's so much more than that. That what it really is, it's a way for you to come together with God and with others to kind of restore God's dream for the world. I mean, doesn't, isn't that what you want? And isn't that the way things should be? Okay, here's our example. Our example, we go right back to Jesus. And he shows us how we can shift our current mindset to a contributor mindset. And it's in John chapter four. There's a famous scene at the well there where Jesus has a conversation with a Samaritan woman. And he tells her of this living water that he wants to give her, that'll satisfy her forever. And by the end of the conversation, he goes from being kind of the stranger to her savior. She finds her way back to God. It's a great story. But there's a part of that story that gets overlooked. Because while Jesus is talking to this woman, okay, the disciples are gonna go get some food. They gotta go get some food because, you know, consumers gotta consume. They come back. Jesus is just finishing up talking to this woman. She leaves to go tell the people in the village everything that's happened to her. And now the disciples say, hey, Jesus, let's go get some food. Well, Jesus takes this opportunity. And rather than kind of consuming food, he says, well, I want to teach them a lesson how to shift their mindset and how to actually um, fill up more than just their bellies. And so in John chapter 4, verse 32, he says this. It's kind of an odd thing, but he just throws it out there. Then he says, oh, but... I have food. I have food to eat that you know nothing about. What does he mean, food you know nothing about? Then the disciples said to each other, well, could, uh, could someone have brought him food? <laughs> you know, did someone call Grubhub? What's going on here? Then Jesus delivers the point. And catch this. He says, my food, Jesus said, is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. The thing that Jesus says here, the thing that keeps him going is doing God's will. And and it's so completely counterintuitive of how we normally think. I mean, I wake up in the morning, I'm kind of like, hey, someone, you know, I need 
get me, fill me with food and fill me with coffee, right? And so we wake up saying, fill me, fill me, fill me, fill me. That's how we wake up. But what Jesus is saying, no, you know what? He wakes up and saying, what fills me is filling others. What fills me is filling others. And he shows us how to make this shift from a consumer mindset to a contributor mindset. And the key to it, the key to making this shift from a consumer mindset to a contributor mindset is in the Gospel of John, um, there's like 21 chapters. And in those 21 chapters, 44 different times, it describes how Jesus is sent. He's sent from heaven. He's sent from the Father. He's sent to earth. He's sent to us. And knowing he's sent, knowing his purpose is what allowed him to make this shift, okay, or at least was, is what will allow us, and we learn it through him, to make the shift from being a consumer to being a contributor. Even the Samaritan woman in the story, she's a brand new Christ follower, she gets it. Because she's living a sent life. She has this interaction with Jesus, and all of a sudden, I mean, she gets it, and it says, look at this, in, in, in John 4, 29, she goes back to the village, says, hey, come and see this man who told me everything I ever did. I, I think he's the Messiah. She is now sent back to her village. And because of her life-changing story, Jesus actually ends up spending two days in this village helping other people find their way back to God. Jesus is sent, the Samaritan woman is sent, and what we need to get is that we too, myself and you, we are sent. And in case we don't get it, then later in John, he's explicit about it. And here's what he says in John chapter 20, 21. He says, as the Father has sent me, he's talking to me and you right now, so send I you. As the Father sent me, I am sending you. Go. And I think what God is calling me and calling you to is a countercultural way of living, to contribution, and not just continual ongoing consumption, that we use our whole selves, our, our, our minds, our emotions, our physical well-being, our, our, our financial resources to contribute to the places where he sent us. Whether that place is a subdivision or a cell block, whether that place is a school or a workplace, whether that place is a physical space or a digital space, we are sent there. All right, I wanna go all the way back. Let's go all the way back to the question we started with. All right, why do you live where you live? Think about it, why do you live where you live? Now you might have said, oh man, I just fell in love with this kitchen, it was awesome, I had to have it. Um, I just love that neighborhood. Oh, the park nearby so the kids could play. That was great. What was it? Because our, our culture tells us that it, we, should, we should decide where we live based on our list of must-haves. What's in it kind of for me? But the shift Jesus is challenging us here is, what if we begin to see where we live through the lens that God has, how he sees the world? What if we begin to view those spaces as places where God sent us to contribute. And if we did that, imagine, just imagine, if we really, all of us felt like, man, I am sent to this neighborhood. I'm sent to this cul-de-sac. I'm sent to this community. Imagine how we could change those neighborhoods and change those communities and even change our world. Because instead of asking, how, this, how will this make my life better? We'll kind of go like, no, how can I make this place better? All right, so how do we do that? We have the example of Jesus um, we see the challenge that we're sent, but how do we actually do it? How do we move, you know, kind of from consumer to contributor? Well, um, 
I want to take a little different angle. Abigail Marsh is a professor at Georgetown University, and I think she might help us because she's been exploring this question of what drives people to help other people. She's going after what is the drive spiel, did research, and what drives people to help other people? You're going, well, how do you research that? Well, what she did is she actually started studying altruistic kidney donors. And these are people who actually donated a kidney, which is a vital organ, right? Not to a friend or a family member, but to complete strangers. And turns out there's a few thousand of those in the country. They were extremely excited about being studied. And... Um, as I began to look at this study, what I was amazed by, and she came up with three kind of characteristics, three traits of these altruistic kidney donors, was that they so match the challenges of Scripture. So I want to give you those three traits, and I'll show you how they match uh, Scripture that challenge us to move from being a consumer to being a contributor. Here's the first trait. The first trait was this. These people, altruistic kidney donors, they were selfless. They were selfless. In other words, she said they were very humble people. They didn't see anything special about themselves. Um, they didn't think they were unusually compassionate or extraordinarily generous. In fact, some said, you know, I just happened to be the right place at the right time. <laughs> which, which, I mean, you don't think of as a kidney donor, right, who donates to a complete stranger. But that's how they describe themselves. They were very much selfless. The Apostle Paul, he challenges us. He says this, <laughs> do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, here's how you make this transition from consumer to contributor. Value others, think about your neighborhood, above yourself. Not looking to your own interest, but each of you to the interest of others. See, a contributor mindset means that we begin to look to the, to the interests of others, not just our own interests. And what eventually will happen, it'll, you'll find yourself locking arms in solidarity with other people where it doesn't benefit you. People who, are, who, who experience prejudice, who, who, who experience discrimination, people who have been left alone and experienced loneliness, or people going through loss. It doesn't help you, but you, you will come alongside them and support them. Here's the second trait. The first one was selfless. The second trait was this. They stood out. That's how she described them. They stood out. And it was interesting. They did stand out. And specifically what stood out about them was something physical, and it was their brain. <laughs> it was their brain. Um, these donors, actually, their amygdala, and the amygdala is essential to your ability to be able to feel uh, certain emotions and even perceive it in other people. Their amygdala was actually 8% larger than the average uh, amygdala. And you're going like, okay, that's interesting, but how does it help me with an average size amygdala who's never donated a kidney? Well, here's the thing. Yes, they stood out, but guess what? The Bible tells us Christ followers, we also have the ability to kind of stand out. And here's how. When we say yes to Jesus, we're not just our normal selves. When we say yes to Jesus, his spirit will come to life inside of us, right? The Holy Spirit, we're promised that. And so Jesus comes to life inside of us and he gives us, he empowers us to be able to do things we could not do on our own. We look at Acts 1.8 here. It says, you're going to receive the power, and when that power comes on you, you'll be my witnesses. And guess what? You're going to start changing things in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and then to the earth. And essentially, what the writer's saying there is like, hey, when, when, when the Spirit of Jesus, the Holy Spirit comes in you, I'll empower you to move from a consumer to a contributor mindset so you can actually make a difference in your neighborhood, in your community, in your country, and in the whole world. 
you can stand out like that. There was a third trait, all right? Selfless stood out. The third, state, third trait was steady, was steady. And by steady, they meant that, that, that these individuals were consistently kind of uh, growing in their generosity. They, they would, were steadily making more and more kind of generous contributions, started small and then got bigger, like they would donate blood, and then later on, we found out those same, those same group of people, they fostered children or maybe rescued animals. But there were baby steps all along the way, things that all of us could easily do. It matches what Paul says. Look at this. Paul says this, hey, let's don't grow weary in doing good. Keep doing those good things. Start out doing those little good things because for the proper time, it's like a flywheel here. For a proper time, you're gonna reap a harvest. There's gonna be a big payoff if you do not give up, if you do not give up. All right, here's where we're going with all this. Over the next few weeks, we're gonna be in this series called Love Where You Live. And here's what I'm convinced of. I am absolutely convinced that God wants to redeem this pandemic that we're in. Because during this time, over the last you know, six months, we have been at home where we live more than ever before. And I just think it's a big old reminder to all of us that God sent you there. There's lots of places you haven't been able to travel to or go to, but God sent you there. And his challenge is this right here. I want you to love where you live. I put you there on purpose. I want you to love where you live. And I think the words of Jesus echo right out of John 20, 21. He says, no, as the Father sent me, I am sending you. I have sent you to that place you thought you picked it out for these reasons, but I actually sent you there. So I'll tell you what, do me a favor. I want you just to say your address out loud. Just say your address out loud. All right, say it out loud. My Newport Drive, Naperville, Illinois. Say yours out loud. Got it? The truth is God sent you there. He sent you there on purpose to bless those people, to make a difference to those people. And that's what we're gonna go throughout this whole series. And I want, I want to give you two challenges, two challenges as we wrap this up. Okay, here's challenge number one. Challenge number one is what I'm calling this, acts of service. I want you to intentionally uh, do some acts of service in your neighborhood this week. In your neighborhood this week. Now, for some of you, um, again, because it's got to start out small and kind of build, I mean, you're going like, I don't even know anybody in my neighborhood. Okay, well, your act of service, you're going to introduce yourself and you're going to get to know people's names. You're going to get to know their names. For those of you who know their names, you're gonna intentionally have conversation, but I'll tell you what, listen to them. Find out how they're doing. This is, this is a tough, tough time, yes, for you, but for other people, listen to them. Um, or if, if you already know folks, some access service could be, I mean, maybe you're, you're mowing your yard, if you've got a yard, mow their yard. Um, bring over some baked goods. And if it seems odd, you can just tell them, hey, well, our church challenges us to do something nice for a neighbor. And so I decided to do it for you and then give it to them, an act of service. For some of you, I mean, you've grown your relationship with the people in your neighborhood. Maybe for you, it is. It's like, you can go all the way to like, have a watch party. We got people having watch parties in their neighborhood where they're having church together. You can even start a church in your neighborhood if you want. We'll help you do that, okay? But whatever it is, whether it's small or way big like that, Acts of service. I want you to do one of those this week. That'll help you move from a consumer mindset to a contributor mindset. Here's the second challenge. The second challenge is this right here. It's called Alpha. Alpha. Some of you have people around you who've already started 
expressing spiritual interest. There's a spiritual curiosity. God's working their life, and they're really curious. This is a great opportunity for you, and I would challenge you. I would challenge you. We got a ton of groups starting this fall, and this is a great first step for people. Invite them. Invite them to join these groups. And if you want to check it out, we got an open house on the 8th and the 10th of September. So check those out. Then you can invite people to be a part of that. In fact, if you want more information, it's communitychristian.org slash alpha. That's the place you ought to go. Because this is a great way for you to help people find their way back to God, which is the ultimate expression of moving from a consumer mindset to a contributor kind of mindset. God wants, okay, us to be people who are not in it just for us, but are in it for others. And I think God dreams of a church who's not just focused on themselves, but focused on their neighborhoods and focused on their community and how can we help change our world and the world. Pope Francis, I want to end with this. So smart. Let this be a challenge to you, okay? He said this. Rivers do not drink their own water. Trees do not eat their own fruit. The sun does not shine on itself. And flowers do not spread uh, their fragrance for themselves. Living for others is a rule of nature. It's the way God meant for it to be. It's the way we're wired. We are all born to help each other, no matter how difficult it is. And I'm not saying this is easy. It'll be difficult, there'll be challenges. I love, listen to this next part. Life is good when you're happy, but it's much better when others are happy because of you. It's much better when others are happy because of you. I think that's what God wants for me and he's calling me to in my neighborhood. I think it's what he wants for you and he's calling you to in your neighborhood. And I think that's what he's calling to, calling us as a church to during this season. Let's pray. Father God, I do. I ask that this consumer mindset that is so prevalent in everything we do, that you really do, you, you have a, you, you let a shift take place inside of us that we move from people who are just always going, okay, what's in it for me and what do I get to, no, what's in it for others and how can I give to a contributor mindset? Lord, I pray that for myself. Lord, I also prayed for every person watching. And Lord, I prayed for our church. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.